Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Well, let's just talk about launching a candidacy with Elon Musk. This is not a parody. Uh, when you, you think about you know, the fact that the, the governor of Florida decides to launch a bid for president of the United States by bowing the knee to a tech oligarch, somebody who has been very publicly decompensating an erratic, uh, narcissistic megalomaniac like Elon Musk. But on the other hand, uh, it, it's going to generate a huge amount of buzz. Charlie Sykes is a putz. You can tell him I said so. I have never actually started a show that way. Wait till you hear who I start calling a commie. I am going to be relentless today. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Elon Musk tech oligarch, not for Tesla, not for SpaceX, not for Starlink, but for buying the progressive sandbox known as Twitter, for opening it up to you and to me, for allowing debate and free speech to come forth from this place that did not allow people like you and me to speak just over a year ago, did not allow us to question COVID, did not allow us to discuss the New York Post story of Hunter Biden's laptop, did not allow and did not allow and did not allow. That is what happened before Elon Musk. And now Elon Musk is a tech oligarch? Charlie Sykes is a putz. Charlie Sykes used to be a radio host. He was a conservative radio host out of Wisconsin. He was a serious, serious name. I think he's a guy who filled in for Rush back in the day. Trump broke him in two. And instead of saying, you know what? Trump's not my guy, but conservatism is. Now, even Ron DeSantis isn't good enough. And a guy who offers up free speech to the masses by preventing those people who engage in shadow banning and keeping others from speaking, firing them, getting rid of them, pushing them aside. That guy's now a tech oligarch. He's a putz. Now, I will admit to you that that is, A, no way to start a show, and, and, and B, no way really to get people to engage with you. But sometimes it is what it is. But what Charlie Sykes is discussing here on MSNBC is just part of a larger conversation about the insanity that has gripped everybody because of Ron DeSantis announcing that he's running for president and he's going to be doing it on Twitter. That's going to take place at 6 p.m. And quite literally, everybody went completely and totally insane. The problem is they don't know why they're insane. I don't know what we're yelling about. Actually, they do. And I'm going to show you why they're so angry. But in order to do that, we have to hear what it is they've been saying. 
we have to break down bit by bit what they are so upset by with this argument of how DeSantis is getting into the race. They will go about attacking DeSantis. Well, of course they will. Just like they attack Trump. Just like, uh, remember, they're going to tell you that Tim Scott isn't black enough. Well, wait, they already did. They already did. But the real anger here comes from the conversation that DeSantis is doing it on Twitter. This is MSNBC. Seems to make no sense because first of all, why do you share your big moment with a huge, powerful billionaire who's arguably more famous and has more name ID than you do? And then second, you're on this platform that's diminishing in its popularity and also its reach. Maybe political journalists talk about it. Maybe the far right elites talk about it. But Twitter is a diminishing force these days. And you've seen how three Elon, everything he touches can, you know, he does well when he's engineering and his Tesla, but with Twitter, you've seen how he doesn't mind just casually tossing a couple of billion dollars or multiple billion dollars. And so you've got this volatile actor that you've given so much power for your big moment. It just really makes no sense. Why does it make no sense? Twitter is diminishing? Tucker Carlson announced that he's going to bring his whole show there. The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, uh, Matt Walsh, and Andrew Clavin. And Andrew Clavin, uh, look, the other guys are, are great, and I certainly have nothing against Shapiro. But Clavin is an unbelievable mind, even when I disagree with him. Just thinking in a way, and a great storyteller. Great storyteller. They're moving all their podcasts there. Do you want to tell me more about diminishing? You mean diminishing amongst progressives who no longer control it. Elon has it, opens it up to more people, and that means it's diminishing? Shall we go over this one more time for the people in the cheap seats? You've allowed more people back onto the platform. You've allowed more conversations to take place on the platform, and therefore it's diminishing. That is an odd, odd take. What you really want to do is attack Elon Musk for taking away what you believed was yours. He took away your sandbox. He took away your playground. You are supposed to control how people speak. Now, anybody can speak. What kind of America is that? And this was not the response from Willie Geist. Uh, Again, another, oh, breathe, Tony. You don't have to say a nasty word about everybody. You You can space it out. You got a lot of show to do. They continue this actual conversation. Anyways, John, since he took over Twitter, Elon Musk has become a hero uh, to conservatives because they feel like their voices were silenced on social media, at least on Twitter, and he's given their platform back at least to share uh, some of that space. They don't feel their voices were silenced. They were. It's not that they feel it. It happened. So first, 
It's all about uh, how do we castigate Elon Musk? And then it's, oh, and these people who support him think of him as a hero. It's because they only, you know, they were having a fever dream about their speech being taken from them. That's something else. But then we go back to MSNBC and Jen Psaki, who we all know is a great political mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, she's got a theory. Yeah, look, I mean, when I heard this, and I know Elise made a similar point earlier this morning, but I was thinking, so advisors were sitting around in a room and thinking, how will we announce that Ron DeSantis is going to run for president, something that's been highly anticipated? And the decision they made was to have him on an audio-only platform. (laughs) Only 20% of the country has access to or really plays in, mostly coastal, with a guy who, by the way, is not expanding his own base of support and is also not doing anything to help with the awkwardness because he's awkward too. It's all about how awkward Ron DeSantis is. I've seen a lot of video of Ron DeSantis, Jen Psaki. He has never sniffed a child. What the hell are you talking about? I have watched a lot of video of Ron DeSantis. He has never bit his wife's finger. I've watched a lot of video of Ron DeSantis, and he has never once left classified documents around a Corvette in a garage that his coke-addicted son had access to while he was engaged in deals with China and Ukraine. Can I help you? He's awkward. By the way, as has been described, he's going to announce on Twitter... In this conversation with Elon Musk. And then I believe he's on Fox tonight at 8 o'clock. So he's doing all the things. He's reaching all the people in all the places. But as we know, the great political mind that is Jen Psaki, <coughs> excuse me, um, has spoken. Is it a good idea to announce your campaign on Twitter? I don't know. It's not a bad idea. I don't know if it's a great idea. Is it a better idea than doing it in the New York Times or CNN? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Is it a better idea than a standard ad campaign? Sure. Look how much earned uh, media he's getting. Meaning people talking about him running for president and it doesn't cost him a dime. Because he made this decision. Because he's doing it this way. How much? The answer will be told soon, and that answer is going to be in the tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars. The way these people are reacting is because they lost their sandbox, and they just can't take it. Not all of them. Some people are just, you know... Adam Kinzinger. Um, look, I, he, he's hard to get along with one-on-one. He's pretty awkward so in minute, person. Wait a minute, you're saying he's hard to get along with one-on-one and he's not a great campaigner in groups? I mean, what does yeah, that leave? I, his family? I, I mean, <laughs> Right, exactly. Well, look, I mean, he's, he's when he goes in front of the press and he kind of owns the press and tries to push back, that's very beneficial in a Republican primary. I'm just saying my experience with him, I got along with him just fine. But I never, I was actually surprised when he won governor of Florida. He does 
doesn't strike me as somebody that's going to go out and work the rope line. Donald Trump wasn't either, but he was able to bring a different energy that Ron DeSantis can't. Maybe DeSantis will surprise everybody. Margaret. See, DeSantis again is just awkward. Again, sniffing children, biting fingers, uh, classified documents around a coke-addled son who has deals with Ukraine and China. I mean, if we're going to compare the things, we got to compare all the all the things. The person who has it best is Sarah Fisher, writing over at Axios. And what Sarah Fisher said is very true. And not just because it's exactly what we are talking about. And exactly if you caught my morning show, what I was addressing there. Sarah Fisher on CNN, she's from Axios, hits it proper. I mean, a couple years ago, Fox is where you would expect to see someone like Ron DeSantis trying to kick off his campaign. The fact that he's going to Twitter, it also suggests and caps off a week of a lot of conservative movement to Twitter. So it's really notable. You had Tucker Carlson saying that he's moving his Fox primetime show to Twitter. Yesterday, I reported that The Daily Wire, which is a huge conservative entertainment media company, is moving its podcasts over to Twitter. You're going to start to see a lot more momentum flock there from conservatives. And that used to be Fox's territory. If you're Rupert Murdoch, this is a scary time. Accurate. Accurate. The leftist media is going to try and denigrate Twitter because they lost it. They no longer control it. That means you should go there. I'm going to be going there in greater measure. I already said that I am. And I'm going to do even more and utilize their subscription service. Rumble and Twitter, those are going to be the homes. Facebook, I mean, will still be there, but forget it. Forget it. I can't make it work. They absolutely throttle my content, along with many other people who aren't involved in pay-for-play. And that's not true of everybody, but it's true of enough. I'll utilize Twitter. I'll utilize Rumble. I'll utilize the, 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 the spaces that allow everybody to talk. Because I don't discuss taking telling the left they can't talk. Of course they can. Of course they should. You should talk if you disagree with me. That seems rational to me. The idea that a network would keep you from talking, that seems horrific. Not seems. That is horrific. The left is angry that they lost. The left is angry that they don't have control. The left is angry that they can't silence. The left is angry that they have no power to stop it. And that's good news for us. What do I think of DeSantis launching on Twitter? Nothing, actually. Let's see what he has to say. Let's see how the conversation goes. Let's see how the campaign goes. Let's see how he fights against Trump. Let's see how he tries to inspire Americans. Let's see how he does outreach. Let's see how he handles the the confrontations or the conversations uh, about him in this square. Then we can make a decision. But everything that you're hearing, that's all about the left hating the fact that they can no longer control what it is you see and hear. That's something you should celebrate. I'm Tony Katz. Yesterday, I told you the story of a professor at Hunter College 
black woman sees a table, students for life table, talking about abortion. And she just walks up to them and is, you know, scolding them. Blank you this and blank you that. And you don't even get the talk pointing to this guy. You can't even have blanking babies. Well, at least maybe I should give her credit for knowing that only women can have babies. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. And then she throws their stuff off the table. Oh, so angry. So tough. Well, a New York Post reporter by the name of Ravain Fenton goes to her apartment and knocks on the door to ask her some questions for an interview. You can argue, dude, you showed up at somebody's house. That's kind of messed up. It happens. It's a knock on the door. If someone knocks on the door and they want to sell me Amway, I can be like, no thanks, and not open the door. I can call the police. Now, if someone comes to your back door and they won't stop, well, then maybe you'd have a reason to think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to defend myself here. I'm not opposed to defending yourself. I'm certainly opposed to the idea that you open a door and then you take a machete, put it to the reporter's neck, and tell them to get the blank out. You didn't have to open the door at all. Grab the machete, open the door, put it to the reporter's neck. The reporter and the photographer videographer leave they're on the street next thing you know here's this woman Shalene Rodriguez screaming at them yelling at them still has the machete in hand get the blank out of here leave if I see you on this block one more blanking time and then as they're getting in the car kicks them in the shins she's no longer a professor at Hunter College she was fired on the spot The minute the video is out. Gone, done, finished. She's all about being super tough. Chased the photographer, not the reporter. Chased the photographer. With a machete. Of course she should be charged with a crime. Of course she should be charged. I don't know what you call it, menacing, what you call it, uh, uh, is, is it attempted something? I'm not sure what the charge is in terms of the legal. All I know is you're not allowed to threaten people like that. I think the question is, why did she do that to the two kids from uh, Students for Life? Couldn't she have just moved on and like, I disagree with you? She had to destroy their setup. She had to curse at them. Why do this? I put forth to you that what we're going to hear from this teacher who has a lawsuit, this this former professor, who has a lawsuit against the NYPD. She claims she was abused when she was arrested in the Bronx during a protest over the murders of George Floyd in June of 2020. Her char- The charges against her from the protest were dismissed. But now she's suing because she was abused. So allow me to put forth a theory. What we're going to learn from this woman is that she hates all white people. She believes all white people are uh, the devil and are guilty. And um, they're all oppressors and they all need to be dealt with. I think that's what's going to come. Now, I know what you're saying, Tony. You're not a guy who makes assumptions. You're right. I could be totally wrong. But I want to share with you the first thought that went through my head when I asked, why is she so angry? And I said, she's angry because she hates white people. 
This is about bigotry. Then I asked myself, well, why would she hate white people? Well, then I realized that although I could say this, I wouldn't have anything to back this up because I don't know the other parts about her. So then if I can't make an assumption, I have to go back to a baseline. Her reactions are certainly indecent and unacceptable. And for that, she should have lost her job. That is accurate. And she should be charged with a crime because she is a danger to society. If you're running around the street with a machete, chances are you're an issue. I didn't say walking down the street with a knife. Bloody hell, I carry a knife with me everywhere I go. Walking down, not walking down the street, chasing people on the streets with a machete, putting machetes to people's throats. That's an unsafe person. Maybe one day we'll find out why she's so angry. But am I wrong in thinking that this is a woman who's very angry? And she's not alone. Just take a look at your Facebook feeds. Take a look at your social media feeds. Take a look at all the videos where people are angry all the time over everything. What is happening? And what's causing it? This is Tony Katz today. New York City has a plan. It's going to turn everything right around. It is going to. It is going to save the city. Nay, save America. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Do me a, a, a favor, AJ. Make sure that if people are, are calling, we, we, we get to the calls, because some of the madness that people leave me in terms of messages, we might as well get that on the air. I mean, really and truly. I, I'm not a guy who does a lot of, of taking callers. You all know that uh, about me. And some of you are like, you should take callers. The vast majority are like, thank you for not taking callers. It is very funny. It's like it's like five to one. I'd say it's five to one. Please don't take callers to, hey, what about callers? Uh, but but some of them are just so are just so precious that they've decided they know me better than I know me. Like, like they've decided it's, it should be shared from time to time. Eric Adams is the mayor of New York, and his plan is to fight retail theft with kiosks. The plan is, as was released, I believe it was over the weekend, the city will in- engage in diversion programs for nonviolent offenders and train retail workers in de-escalation and put resource kiosks in stores. So, so um, let's be clear about what it is they're discussing. The kiosks will be stalled, installed in stores for the benefit of underprivileged community members who are prone to crime like shoplifting. And it will connect individuals in need to critical government resources and social services. So the person who is stealing brazenly from the CVS will now stop stealing brazenly from the CVS because they can speak to 
a government official who will get them, well, I don't know what. I, I don't know what that person's going to do. Now, if you want to conceptually uh, ask the question, what can we do to keep people from uh, uh, shoplifting? What can we do to try and lessen that? Well, if they're shoplifting because they need money, because they need services, we may actually already offer those services. And if they knew about it, they wouldn't have to shoplift. You could argue that that is a worthwhile thought. But you would also have to put that to the recognition that that involves one in 50 people. Other people are stealing because they're going to sell it on eBay or they're going to sell it for drugs. I don't think that that's an irrational thought. And I look forward to seeing the data to show what it is they're doing with it. They're selling it on eBay because that's how they make a living or they're going to sell it quick to, to get a quick hit. Or maybe they're selling it on eBay to get the quick hit. Let's not think that drug use isn't a big part. Um, a big part of this of this conversation. But let's discuss the idea of training retail workers in de-escalation. So you don't look and and say, we need to get tough on shoplifters. You want the person who works the the register at CVS to try and bring the person down. That's that's what you want. You know, I find it offensive when you tell me that the person who works at Circle K has to ID somebody for cigarettes. Why are why is the person who works the register um Why is the person who works the register at at, uh, Circle K all of a sudden a law enforcement officer? That does not make any sense to me. If you want to make sure that someone who's buying cigarettes is of age, you, state government, put somebody in the damn store to check the IDs. Why in the world is that up to the to the cashier? And if the cashier if the cashier gets it wrong, the cashier gets fined, whole thing is crazy. Now here's New York saying we need to train train the uh, retail workers in de-escalation. I actually have exclusive audio right now of that training and and how they do it. Here, listen. Hey, big guy. Sun's getting real low. Works like a charm. Works like a charm. Works on Hulk. Will work on somebody in some kind of rager to steal all the cosmetics. I love it. Of course this won't work. It's one thing to argue that maybe people who are committing crimes need help in other ways, and if you have these services to offer, let them know. That's not the craziest thought in the world. 
it's crazy to think that that is in any way the majority of these shoplistings. That's not what it is. That's false. Just like it was false for people to tell us that you weren't trying to steal our gas stoves. You weren't trying to keep them from us. You weren't trying to take from the American people an opportunity. When you brought up the banning of gas stoves, and we said, what are you talking about? You called us guilty of engaging a culture war and said, no one's trying to ban your gas stove. Well, Representative Cory Bush wants you to know, that's right, we're not trying to ban gas stoves. This proposed rule is not a ban on gas stoves. This proposed rule is not a ban on gas stoves. We are regulating indoor air pollution. Cory Bush is a worthless communist. That wordplay? We're not going to ban gas stoves. We're regulating indoor air pollution. She's letting all of the leftists know this is how you talk about it. She's banning gas stoves, and she's proud to do it. And she went in front of Congress and one of the committees and talked about how extremely important it is because her constituents are getting poisoned, I tell yous. I can only imagine the number of my constituents who are unknowingly being poisoned by their gas stove in the state that it is without this proposed rule being in effect, especially young children, our elders, and people with disabilities who are disproportionately at risk for contracting respiratory illnesses. Let's not forget that many of these gas stoves are not owned by the residents of those homes, but often absentee or corporate landlords. That is a thing. We have a number of housing regulations in place to ensure that renters are kept safe. This also applies when we speak about keeping renters safe to the indoor air pollution, how that should be a top concern. This proposed rule is not a ban on gas stoves. Of course it's a ban on gas stoves. And the problem is the people who rent all have a crooked, shady landlord like Mr. Roper, who wants to know what you're doing with those two girls over there. The hell? How many, how many more boogeymen could she actually create in this conversation? She went on and on and on, did the communist representative Cory Bush. On and on and on. Remember, it's Republicans that are trying to get you killed. As we have heard over and over again, this is not a ban on gas stoves. This is not a ban on gas stoves. This is not a ban on gas stoves. We would love to see actual action that saves lives, but we continue to see from our Republican colleagues actions that make, that loosen regulations. It's a ban on gas stoves, and if you don't agree with me, you're a murderous Republican. That's a take. Uh, That make it easier for humans to lose their lives, make it easier for humans to become ill. Gas stoves have an enormous impact 
a negative impact on the climate and on humans' health. We've said it over and over again, including contributing to childhood asthma, and that's a big deal. Respiratory illnesses are a big deal. Energy efficiency standards benefit American consumers by lowering the risks that are associated with gas stoves and saving them money on their utility bills. Taking away your rights will certainly lower risks. If I don't allow anybody to drive their car after 5 p.m., do you know the percentage to which I could lower auto fatalities? My gosh, the number boggles the mind. She wants you to know Republican inaction is costing us lives and killing the planet. The climate crisis is happening all around us, and Republican inaction is costing us lives. As lawmakers, we have a moral obligation to prioritize the health and well-being of every person across our country. I represent a community where the threat of climate pollution comes from both inside and outside our homes. In St. Louis City, black children are twice as likely to test positive for lead in their blood than white children. St. Louis ranks among the highest across our country for rates of asthma, with rates significantly higher for black residents than white residents. Remember how Cori Bush got her gig. She lied about Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot. She was an activist there in Ferguson, and that led her to Congress. The communists have figured out how to do this. And when I call her a communist, I don't want you to think I'm name-calling. I'm discussing it as it is. Marxist? Socialist? What, I have to I have to go through the word manipulation to get to the thing that it is? Cori Bush doesn't believe that you should be able to live your life your way. You have to live your life her way. Otherwise, you're a racist. You can't have a gas stove because some kid in St. Louis might be a bit wheezy. And I don't think we should sit here and be like, don't care about the kid. I think the kid needs medical attention. But the medical attention isn't about whether or not I have a gas stove. It's an insane parallel. It's an insane connection point. There are studies that will show that it is not the fuel source that is the issue, but the thing being cooked. Different foods will put different things into the air that could be irritants for somebody who has uh, breathing issues. Much more than we're talking about uh, electric stoves or gas stoves. By the way, my new stove came in yesterday. Oh, I didn't want to do the new stove. I had no interest in doing the new stove. But the stove that we had, the oven that we had, had been in the house since 2007. I mean, before we bought the house. 2004? 2007. It was old. I tried to replace the fil. I replaced the filament once before because it was dual fuel. Gas on top, uh, the burners, the, the stovetop, uh, the oven, electric. It's the way we like to do it. Now, it happened to be that way. We were like, great. Your cooking is gas. Your baking is electric. That's what you want to do. Because baking is science and cooking is art. And science, you want exact temperatures all the way around. So it finally went, and I tried to replace the, the, the filament, and it just wouldn't take. You're like, all right. 
it, it's finally done. Best of luck finding a dual fuel range that won't cause you to get another mortgage. Holy cow. It's like trying to find something that isn't stainless steel. And we don't do stainless steel in my house. Uh, the the uh, appliances are black. Do you know you now pay more for black? Stainless is the standard. It used to be you paid more for stainless. Stainless is now the standard. You pay more for black. We're like, what the hell? What is this? It's the style we like. And then we got black stainless and not black black. And it doesn't even, I don't even know if it 100% matches, but sometimes you don't notice and sometimes you do. And I'm like, I can't keep up. It's nuts. Oh my gosh. Paid a pretty penny for the stove. Didn't want to. But it, it broke. It had, had to do it. It was done. It's dual fuel. You think I'm going to let Corey Bush decide for me how I cook? I don't give a damn what this commie thinks. I don't care what this commie thinks. And she doesn't care about people's lives. She cares about telling people how to live their lives. Because if she cared about people's lives, she would tell her constituents to move out of St. Louis. She would, or, 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 she would work to actually clean it up. She would work to actually fix the problems. You think the problem with the people of St. that the people of St. Louis have, their real problem is the gas stove in their rental property from their absentee corporate landlord? No, it's the bullets flying outside the house. But that's too hard to deal with, isn't it, Corey Bush? Isn't it, Representative? Why deal with that when you can sit back in D.C. and smile and talk about this nonsense? Of course it's about banning gas stoves. Anybody who says otherwise is a communist like Cori Bush. The facts kind of show you the reality, don't they? I'm Tony Katz. There is now a concern that people not buying Bud Light and therefore buying more Coors Light and Miller Light could lead to a shortage of Bud Light, uh, of Coors Light and Miller Light. You're not buying Bud Light. There's so much of that that supposedly the brewery is buying it back from the distributors. But now you've got Coors Light and Miller Light selling so much that they might have shortages this summer. Oh, I guess there are worse problems. I wonder if Target's going to have any shortages. The Target story is growing It's in its insanity. And this is all I'm saying. It's like the story with the Dodgers. Holy cow, the Dodgers. And then there's the Nebraska story. And then there's the story of North Face. You know, I long for the days where we could just talk about the news. And not everything was this cultural insanity. But it is, isn't it? Here we are, a day where Ron DeSantis is going to announce that he's running for president, and it's Gastos. When we discuss the idea that there is a war, you know, it's it's a culture war, and then the, the left says, oh, the right's engaged in these culture wars. We all know what's what. The left does these things, the right responds, and the left screams, how dare you? Fine. Scream all you want. 
But you understand that the war needs to be won, but there's a way it has to be won, and there's a way to fight it. I certainly believe this to be true, and it's more than just what you put into some social media machine. So let's get into more of what's happening with Target and with the Dodgers. That's coming up next. I'm Tony Katz.